has come for the nature boy Rick Flair to put his career on the line against Shawn Michaels. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast where we talk about professional wrestling past, present, and future. It's kind of like the WWE's then, now, and forever. A um, couple of things before we get started proper, like you can follow the show on Twitter at Wrestling B Trash, and you can also follow it on Instagram at Wrestling is Trash. And if you want to be a part of the show, I know I hadn't said it over the past couple of episodes, and I know I probably have a backlog of a few questions that I never really got to answer because we never really did too many traditional episodes. And when we did do a traditional episode, if you want to call that traditional, I forgot about the questions. And then we had heated conversations and just go back and listen to those episodes where you can find it all at wrestling is trash.com. Anyway, joining me again today is been dubbed as the wit talk historian, my man returning is Mr. Jay Sandlin. Hey, when, are, when am I going to get some uh, wit talk historian gimmicks out there, B-Rob? I don't know, because uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the end of this month, February, as we speak, Black History Month, um, the last day of the month, the 28th, <laughs> the store that I had all my merchandise at, at uh, wehavemerch.com, is closing down. <laughs> so, oh, everything must go. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, if you're hearing this right now, um, wait a minute. So, we'll have a couple weeks left because this, this won't be out straight away. But um, if you hit me up DM style or whatever or tweet me, however you want to get in contact with me, um, I'm going to get with the guy and see um, how you want to do it. And I'll try to get you the deepest of discounts that you, I can possibly get you so we can get this merchandise out of here before you shut it down. Have you, uh, for future references, do you know where some future merch is going to be? Because I, I, I really uh, sincerely need to get a Wrestling Bee Trash t-shirt. That's been on my to-do list for a few weeks now. Well, you know what? You, my friend, don't have to purchase a thing. I will hook you up since you are doing me the kindness of being dubbed as the wit talk historian. So I, <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, okay. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to argue with uh, with merch. You know, I love getting so. I like free merch more than Earl Hebner. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But I'll hook you up with that. The only thing I require from you is your address if I don't already have it. So, I'll, I'll, I'll text you. Make sure you do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to do that right now, actually. <laughs> uh, wait, I can't right now because I've got the I've got our video queued up. I'll do it. I'll do it later yeah. after we get off the phone. All right. So um, if you I got to go get some uh, AEW merchandise as well. I'm hold off on that. <laughs> now, they've got some really cool zip up hooded jackets. Uh, I, I want to start rocking one of those and I want to get the AEW is Jericho shirt. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to hold up on that. 
I mean, I know, okay. I, I know, okay. I know they kind of pre-selling the thing. So whenever they do have their next event or they get to rolling proper, like they already have a wave of fans in there with all their merchandise and the AEW stuff, and that'll look pretty damn cool on television or however they're gonna um, broadcast that out there. So I understand that, but right now it seems like, as quoted on the RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk Show, seems like they're a T-shirt company right now, a merch company. <laughs> Well, aren't all wrestling promotions just really big T-shirt companies at the end of the day? The Young Bucks, you know, Matt and uh, Matt Jack, the Jacksons there, they yeah. said, I never knew I would become a professional T-shirt salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you've got the product to sell the merch. Mm-hmm. And that's where they make – I mean, they've got to make a lot of money doing that, obviously. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit on a previous episode or whatever about how – you know, they got New Japan over, but it wasn't so much because it was New Japan. It was because they were at New Japan. Right. Because they wouldn't have got the Hot Topic deal without the Young Bucks and all them. You know. Oh, man. It's stuff that I don't even know about. And uh, Cody Rhodes is my favorite wrestler in the world right now. So I've got to get some of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Jericho is obviously an all-time favorite for me. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite Jericho is still his time with Ralphus. <laughs> Yeah, the high ponytail then, I think, right? Yeah, the Gene Simmons top knot is what he calls it in his books. And uh, But no, I, the, he his look would change, you know, hourly in WCW in those days because he was just trying to do things, you know, to get noticed, get attention. And yeah. obviously it worked. You know, he got attention from uh, Vince and now he's got attention from AEW. And rumor has it, rumor and innuendo. Yeah. That this deal that he got with AEW is the largest deal he's ever signed. Yeah, that's and that right. and that the backstage people, when rumor gets out about it, they cannot believe what the deal is. So, I mean, I'm going to take some of that with a, a grain of salt. Yeah. But do you, you, you? It sounds like they, whatever the truth is, they they have invested significantly to have uh, Jericho. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man, because um, we've known Jericho over the years to be somewhat of a you know a master manipulator and whatnot so i mean well, and then, he's a businessman yeah. you know he's a sa- yeah. he's a salesman he knows the business he knows who he is he knows how to sell himself how mm-hmm. to reinvent himself um who knew that he'd still be you know he's still going strong i mean has anybody really said yeah you've lost a step mm-hmm. you know you really need to retire i don't think anybody said that no i mean well i'm saying it now i mean but once again if you, the performer, the person in question, feel like you still have it in you and, you know, it, that's on you. I mean, I don't have to like it because it's not my body and my time and whatnot, but, you know, it is what it is. And what we're going to talk about today is along those same lines, isn't it? Exactly. For those of you who um, haven't got a clue by now, if Jay Sandlin is here, we're doing some watch along. We're watching some vintage or current or whatever type of wrestling, and we're going to give you our thoughts and commentary. Um, and you can join us right now as voted by you, the fans, the listeners. We are going to be watching WrestleMania 24, specifically the Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels match. And the stipulation was if Ric Flair wa- lost this match, he would be forced to retire. Mm, like retiring old yeller, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that was brought up in the storyline and whatnot. So you want to? You ready for some uh, some background? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, spin it on up. I mean, I remember 
you know. So this lead, match took place to um, ten. It's, well, it's going on eleven years ago. This was at WrestleMania twenty four, mm-hmm. and time um, makes a lot of people believe that this was the main event. It was not, mm-hmm. but the event took place on March thirtieth, two thousand eight, at the Florida Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida. It was also the first WrestleMania to be held in the state of Florida. And the second WrestleMania only to be held outdoors, the first being WrestleMania 9. Mm-hmm. So a very long gap. And it's kind of funny because I often picture WrestleMania outdoors. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I, I do too. Because I, I don't know, man, because it felt like that season. When was the season of Palace one? That was WrestleMania 9. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. WrestleMania 9. And so we have nothing. We're indoors all the way up to WrestleMania 24 this year. The Shawn Michaels Ric Flair match was only the sixth match on the card. There were one, two, three, four matches after that. Yeah. Do you think they should have just put it last? It it could have been last, you know. Well, let's look at what came after that. This is what they deemed needed to go on after. Um, following this highly emotional match was Beth Phoenix with and Melina with Santino Morella defeated Ashley and Maria in a Playboy Bunny Mania Lumberjill match. Oh. Lasted five minutes. <laughs> That's what followed. The Ric Flair retirement match. Yeah, they could have put that, that match. That doesn't age well, does it, Rob? No, they could have put that right in front of this one to kind of be like, ah, ooh, ooh, all right, now I'm excited for some other shit. With the quality of women's wrestling today, that match ages as well as an Alabama stripper working the day shift. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good at all. <laughs> And after that five-minute uh, debacle, you had Randy Orton defeating John Cena and Triple H in a triple threat for the WWE Championship. Lasted 14 minutes. Then the memorable Floyd Money Mayweather oh, defeated man. The Big Show in a no-DQ match for 11 minutes and 40 seconds. That's the match that Floyd claimed WWE gave him $20 million, but I, I think that was kayfabe. You know, I, I think he maybe I know he probably got, you know, cleared over a million, sure, yeah. but there's no way he got $20 million for that 11 minutes. I mean, who's to say? I mean, Floyd Mayweather don't get into anything unless he, there's some big dollars involved, so... True, true. And then the main event, The Undertaker, defeated Edge by submission in a singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship, went 24 minutes and three seconds, the longest match on the card. The second longest match was this one, which went uh, 20 minutes and 34 seconds. Mm -hmm. 24 at 24. Yes. And it's about to be 11 years old. They talked to Ric Flair again about the match just last year, a little little less than a year ago. And he wrote that despite, you know, the wonderful ending and send off they gave him, he initially wasn't sure he wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a quote from Flair about the match, uh, thinking about it, you know, in hindsight. Actually, I think they decided it was time for me to go. Laughs. It wasn't me volunteering to leave. I had been there a long time, and I was 59 years old. Mm -hmm. It was mutually agreed upon, but I think that they figured while I was still healthy and everything, it was just a good idea to retire. Yeah. And there were some circumstances behind that as well, because I remember, uh, from what I remember, 
and you know take it for what it is <laughs> um he retired and they offered him a position within the company you know like they do a lot of the um legends or whatever it's called a legends contract from what i understand and you no know, they do um uh, freaking appearances they speak at different lectures they're ambassadors for the company pretty much and they get a salary for it for a certain amount of time and i i heard that he didn't want to do that so i mean that would lead to events after this wrestlemania and everything that we'll talk about kind of after the match i guess yes and before the match they had to decide so the big decision was made you know they say okay you're going to retire and the big the big question is who's going to retire you mm-hmm. you know in a career that spanned 36 years 16 official world title wins there's actually several more world titles that aren't acknowledged yeah and the choice of opponents you know had to be i mean they couldn't just put the brooklyn brawler in there no. or uh, i don't know who are the rejected opponents for a rick flair retirement match in your mind b rob who would be the worst choices um let's see we have a uh, hmm brooklyn brawler um the repo man probably not no because that would be kind of our pole because he would be repossessing his career yeah um, i'm pretty sure the repo man was his uh, real life opponent <laughs> i see what you did there um well they asked flair about it and flair says i had hoped it would be hunter yeah. or Sh- or sean mm-hmm. either one worked for me I was just really fortunate to be involved with either one of them. Sean was probably the greatest performer of all time. Mm-hmm. It made it very special. I'd wrestled everybody that had any name recognition at that point. There wasn't another opponent that was my dream opponent. Being fortunate enough to wrestle Sean Michaels was probably the first or second biggest moment of my WWE tenure. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they gave – Rick, someone who could put on the best possible match. Yeah, and it and it and it shows in here. And once we get started proper, I mean, we, we can talk about certain points in the match. Okay, well, that sounds good. But it's interesting to me that they didn't give a young star the rub. Mm-hmm. You know, by, by like I'm the man who retired Ric Flair and then go on to get a big push in 2008. I wonder who that would have been. You know, I'm foggy on, you know, the roster at that time. But who was the big young star? I, I'm you know what? It could have been. What if CM Punk had retired Ric Flair? See, that that's the thing that I was about to bring up. Um, usually in these situations or whatever is it should be somebody that's kind of seasoned or has some kind of tenure within the company because, you know, oftentimes you take that shot with a younger talent that's up and coming and um, try to build something behind them and they don't pan out. You know, that's so. exactly right. I think they were planning this match to be something for the ages, not something for a hot shot angle. Yeah. Cause uh, the matches that will follow at um, the next two WrestleManias would be Shawn Michaels versus the undertaker. And Ooh, you know, well, that's another subject. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because Shawn was not, long for the business either you know retiring flair mm-hmm. and then he has two more wrestlemanias himself both with the same opponent in probably the best matches in the business i don't know that you could point to any better ones let's see if you ask me about favorite matches one of them is what we're about to watch right now and the yeah. the other two would be the 
following WrestleMania's uh, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker one and two. These are by far my three favorite matches ever, and it even was to the point like with my kids, I don't even force them to watch wrestling. You know, they know of it, they know that I like it a lot, but that thing you don't well, you don't want to push your views yeah. on your children. They yeah. must choose for themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> But the only one time that I made my son sit with me and watch a match where I think it was, uh, I, I don't remember which one it was, but it was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. I believe it might have been the first one. Yeah. Well, 26 is my favorite by, by far because the retirement was on the line. Yeah. Something about this match we're about to watch. So we, we were talking before the show that Flair was inducted into the Hall of Fame already the night before. Mm-hmm. And we knew that. He was going to be, you know, retired. They called this the career threatening match. But there was no stipulation if Flair won. You know, it was like Flair was putting everything on the line, but they never really even suggested what if Flair won. Yeah. Well, um, previous to this, from what I remember, um, they already set it in motion to kind of lead up to this. Him and Vince McMahon got into an altercation and whatnot. And um, Vince gave him the ultimatum. He's like, all right, if you want to stay, you have to win Every single match that you have from this yes, point on. Yes, that's right. That's so, right. That was a whole angle. And Flair was really, in my opinion, the 2000. Let's see. When did he really come back to the WWE? I know that he he was doing Evolution mm-hmm. before in the years before this, and then we're, he was working very regular. He won the Intercontinental Title. He was working with all comers, mm-hmm. just really having a renaissance. In a time that nobody would think he could stay competitive, but he did. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, it was almost like, okay, it's time to wind this down while you're, you know, well, I mean, you're 59 at this time. And it was almost like, would you say that if it had been Flair's choice, I don't think he would have retired himself because he would later return elsewhere, as we'll talk about. Yeah, um, he just don't want to go away. <laughs> That's pretty much the the crux of the deal, and I and I honestly believe Woo! that that uh, Hogan would still be around, bumping and jiving and everything, if he was healthy enough to do so. They both wanted to wrestle Cena. Yeah, Flair, Flair, and uh, Flair and Hogan had said we we'd like to wrestle Cena. Well, of course, every performer at his height, you know, wants to work with the top guy, and that was John Cena. But in their primes, uh, John Cena Ric Flair match. That would have been pretty fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it is always fun to pick your favorites, you know, past and present. And be you know, like, Cena, what? the ultimate, you know, baby face, hustle, loyalty, respect versus that dirtiest player in the game. You know, the guy that is going to do to cheat, to do anything underhanded that he can to get the win over Cena, who Cena is, you know, going to play it above board. And that's that would be a great story to tell or would have been. I guess you'll have to tell that on video games. Yeah. All right. You ready to get this thing cracking lacking? So tell the people where we are. All right. If you have the WWE Network, um, pull up WrestleMania 24 or the match. I have it. The whole event set at one hour, 29 minutes and six seconds. What you should be seeing on your screen is a uh, Ric Flair taking off his robe and a big crowd sign in the back that says, "Woo! thank you, Ric Flair. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to hit the play button. You want to give a uh, you want me to give a countdown or. Oh, that's what I was about to do. You can do it. The, well, no, you you go ahead. Be Rob. All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> Cough. 
play button. (laughs) (laughs) And they're bowing to Flair. There's the big woo signs. Flair went with the blue trunks and a very – let's talk about his ring attire because, you know, Flair always wore – those robes and spent a lot on these robes from what i understand what do you do you know anything about that robe it looks like uh, did he wear that at other times or was that made for this match i think he um from what i remember he said that um that was one of his old robes that he had revamped for this event i'm not 100 percent sure and if i recall correctly charlotte has since revamped that same robe yeah that's 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 what i'm thinking about she, I think for her first WrestleMania event, she took that same robe and they modified it for her. There is a whole, you know, you could look into a whole history of just Ric Flair's robes. Um, I listened to an interview he did, you know, when he first started and he might have been making, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week wrestling back in the day. Mm-hmm. And someone had sold him. They said, Rick, you know, you, you're wrestling professionally. You need to have a professional looking pair of boots and they told him uh, about a boot maker he went to go visit him and he they said well you know what would you like he's like i'll take red blue you know bought two or three pairs goes to pick them up and pay for them and they're like all right that'll be uh you know a thousand dollars so he's like i was only making 200 bucks a week so i'm already in the hole yeah (laughs) but they gave me the boots i you know worked out a payment plan and the the man still same man still makes my boots today Mm -hmm. so he had the same boot maker for his all career um the deep colored uh blue robe lined in white feathers is uh Probably one of the most iconic looks, most notably that silver lining. It really kind of caught those lights at the Citrus Bowl. Mm -hmm. And there's always a silver lining, isn't there, Jay? Yes. Yes, there (laughs) is. There is. So we've got the match started. We see him doing some chain wrestling, and now it's kind of a stare down. Mm -hmm. You know, Sean's looking like, okay, this isn't going to be as easy as maybe I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so – what we was, what I was bringing up about this match earlier, um, you saying how, you know, whenever you come to these points in your career to where you want somebody in the ring that's capable and, you know, depending on your physical limitations, you want somebody that can kind of lead and carry the match if need be. And um, that's what we've seen here, because what you're going to see, you know, after this point. All right, right here, we just seen uh, Shawn Michaels slap Ric Flair in the mouth, draw a little bit of blood, and he's like, you can walk away right now, is what he was telling Flair. Yeah, yes. You know what's interesting is uh, Shawn Michaels had said that he attributes his love of wrestling to Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, quote from Michaels to CBS Sports about this match. We got that first uh, set of chops in here just now. Woo! Michaels said that match was... Quite honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, it was sort of my love letter to Ric Flair and my way of showing, trying to show him the friendship that we had and the impact that he had on the 15 year old me. Mm-hmm. Now, but of course, see, go ahead. See, when I'm looking at that and um, you can hear some of the um, banter back and forth between the two or whatever, it's just it almost this match almost seemed like a movie to me. It was. It was. And it was a, a blockbuster knee drop patented Ric Flair knee drop going into the roll, the hot dog roll. And I, I don't care how old he was. Nobody dropped the knee better than Flair. Mm-mm. I don't care who it is. And no matter who else did it. Um, I, I, and I like the little roll away that he does after it. I think that's just a detail that some people miss now. 
but you know what Heartbreak Kid told him before the match? His instructions to Ric Flair about what they were going to do. Uh, and this is even this is a signature move right here. Ric Flair always went to the top rope and he always never successfully <laughs> completed. And he does it to Michaels. Yes. Yeah. There's going to uh, that they're going to revisit that in a, uh, maybe right now right, because right right, now, Flair's now. going to the top rope. And it's, you, classically, it's, he would always get caught here and get slammed down to the mat. But for the first time ever, I can recall. Crossbody. Rick he Flair. hits the crossbody. When does it? I guess he figured he had to do it before he retired. He had to hit that crossbody. You almost ask, why does Flair even bother to go to the top rope if he can't hit that crossbody? Mm-hmm. Oh, and now is he teasing the figure four? Yes, but too early. See, right. much like so, most of his marriages ends too early. Oh, that's 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 rough. <laughs> well, I mean, he would agree. I mean, I understand. He he's even uh, lighthearted when it comes to his own shit. Now, right oh, here. Yes. This uh, moonsault to the outside. Ooh, the Asai moonsault only hitting the announce table. How many announce tables have died in the course of WrestleMania matches? Shouldn't we have like a 10 bell salute for all the dead announce tables? But you say the Asai moonsault or whatever. He hit all of his aside when he hit that table. I don't think it broke properly. (laughs) It didn't really break at all. He hit the uh, you see there's the yeah. Hit the top and it took that full on the gut. Yeah. But, you know, wrestling is fake, so that didn't hurt. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> and see, it's, it's, a, it's a fake table, you know. It, does, it doesn't hurt. The physics don't work. But I believe kind of in a way that it was supposed to break like that because of the selling throughout the match. You know, that was a point of interest there because Sean clearly in the out point, you know, the um, beginning of the match had it dominated from a physical standpoint. And if it wasn't for this turn of events to the ribs that Ric Flair would work later throughout the match, he wouldn't been able to, you know, gain the upper hand at some points during. That's just the storytelling aspect or whatever. I, who knows? That could have just been a freak accident or whatever. And since he's so damn professional and has that uh, mm. wherewithal that he just played into it. Well, I see one of the signs in the back there is the classic line. It, they, they put the sign down, but it said, it's still real meat to me, damn it. <laughs> yeah. That'll remind you. Yes, it's it, the the hits are very real, but you know Michaels, what he told Flair before this match, his instructions to Flair were "shut up and listen to me." Exactly, because and you could tell that because um, it was certain points in here to where it's, it's very subtle to where Sean is pushing him in the, where he needs to be, and kind of whispering in his ear like, "Go here and do this next." Well, you know, F- Michaels was obviously inspired to wrestle by Flair, followed Flair and his career for many years. And then it's almost like it comes full circle in that Flair is listening and inspired, you know, to Michaels. He almost, he, he really, you know, acknowledges it's like Michaels is the best of all time, in his opinion. And that's the man to retire me. Mm-hmm. And And this is another thing, too. As long as I've been watching Shawn Michaels wrestle, even when he came back most recently or whatever for the you know two two matches, I think it was. I, I pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Well, I have never, ever, 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 ever seen him miss the kip up. <laughs> okay. And um, that was one of his points of contention, um, leading to uh, the matches that will not be named here most recently. He said, uh, freaking um. That was the thing for him. If he were, was to put on a match, if he could still do the kip up, that would be his only thing. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even watch those matches. Um, 
I, I don't know. I know it's all kayfabe, but the the Undertaker retired him. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. the Heartbreak Kid never wrestled again from a storytelling point. And now was, they're in now they're in the corner and they're just kind of brawling. Flair, I, did you like when Flair would just start brawling? I thought his brawling was pretty realistic throughout his career. Yeah, because I'm looking at these some some of these punches right here, and it looked like he's hitting them square on the chin. Swinging neck breaker. I always love the swinging neck breaker. You know who does the best swinging neck breaker? You do. No, Shane Helms. I've never thrown a move on anybody. Well, well okay. I mean, you I, got you at know. least one child, so you had to throw some type of move somewhere. <laughs> you know, I, I did some work with a small indie promotion in my area uh, eight years ago and did a few shows as, uh, you know, that's my, hard. My, my best friend was the ring announcer, and I helped him with, you know, bell ringing, entrance music playing, uh, gimmick sales. I did a little bit of – I was going to do some announcing but never got around to it. But I, they had a clinic that where they would offer training, and I went to the training a little bit. So I did get to do a few moves. Michael's up to the top. A second moonsault. You know, his arm only kind of catches him there. Yeah, he – took the brunt of that because it's, it's just like he did make a little bit of contact to try to slow the fall but he hit all knees and legs on the ground well sure you think he's really he's not going to let flair take you know the brunt of the he's ta- he's taking the bumps he's making the moves mm-hmm. here it is again let's look at where it hits exactly he just kind of touched him and yeah and he all knees and legs on the ground you can call it gospel sunday because he touched me <laughs> Oh, he touched me. <laughs> I might have to isolate that and use this. That moon salt and roll. It touched my chest. And now he's kicking again. Yeah. You, you know, the more we talk about the ring general, Flair is not having to do a lot here, is he? No, not at all. He's just, like I said, Michaels is telling him where to stand and what's coming next. More chops. Yeah. What happens next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plugs. Um, also, the significance of this match, Charles Robinson here. He was a handpicked for this match. Big Ric Flair fan most of his life. He even got to do a little bit of work with him in WCW. So Charles Robinson, often known as the Benjamin Button of professional wrestling because exactly. he just ages backwards. And I think you understated that a little bit with Robinson. Oh, there's the kip up. Robinson did more than just a little bit of work with him in WCW. Robinson was the little Nate and he got to wear the robe and um, he wrestled Medusa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at one point, Randy Savage dropped his atomic elbow on Charles Robinson and broke several ribs. Yeah. Rough, huh? Exactly. I I talked to Robinson on uh, Twitter this is a while back, but he, um, I asked him about his nature boy background and he, uh, responded, um, to a few things. I, I went to a show in, locally in Birmingham and Robinson was on the crew. It was a, sm- it was a SmackDown. Oh, right. Ro- There's an elbow, elbow drop. Yes. When did he start incorporating that into his, um, moveset? Cause I don't always remember. Well, I remembered it for a while, but I don't, think it was I, it's been there as long i mean it's been there as long as i can remember at least since 96 95 i think maybe it was after savage left the wwf yeah it was something because like i remember like when he was with the rockers and everything i don't really recall it being a part of the moveset until like later on after the breakup and well, maybe somebody could correct us on that probably i hope so i, <laughs> I don't like to have wrestling falsities <laughs> 
But I was after this SmackDown show, just in recent years, uh, Robinson's on the card, and I noticed that Hesitation Robinson. Oh, the- and there's 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 the big move. There's the big figure four, and now he's locked in the figure four, a move that Flair says he never really got to beat anybody with, <laughs> but he used it all the time. Yeah, and there was some uh, hesitation before the setup of this move. Uh, Shawn Michaels was going for the sweet chin music, and he stopped. <laughs> so what would you call that? A prematurely super kick? Prematurely kicking super kick? <laughs> Do you know who told Shawn to make the super kick his signature move? Who did that? Razor Ramon Scott Hall. Because he had some variation of the angle slam before then, didn't he? He would do uh he was doing the super kick and he had I think it was the fisherman suplex, I thought. But uh in any event, yeah, he was try he was doing other finishers and it was Scott Hall that just kinda shrugs at him and's like, That's your best move, Chico. <laughs> Scott Hall, great mind for the business. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if he was in the right state, you you think he could ever be a promoter or a booker? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, there we go. We tried to do the um, classic spot to bridge up and um, backslide or whatnot, but I don't think they could uh, make that happen. Now, let's talk about Charles Robinson a little more. Um, Beyond all the WCW stuff and whatnot, throughout this match, he would get hit in the head like 38 times, you know, because being so in close for the count and whatnot. People don't realize what all referees do even in WWE, but after a show is over, Charles Robinson, who has been doing this for decades, most longer than most of the fans have been alive. Mm-hmm. Charles Robinson still throws on shorts and a t-shirt and takes the ring down. Yep. I've been to live shows to where he's out there with the ring crew, setting up cages for cage matches, freaking vacuuming the ring mats and everything. I've seen this man do this stuff. This man has been on the road more i think he's been on the road more in his life than he has ever been at home i don't know <laughs> i mean he's how long has this man been on the road i don't know he's, does it ever get old for him or does is that just the only life he knows at this point it's like he him and mike Kyoto is the only two that I, that comes to my mind <laughs> i'm gonna say i think charles robinson deserves an in-depth documentary he's just such an undersold uh fixture mm-hmm. in the business Yep. There's a roll up, small package, flare kicks out. And there you go. Charles Robinson get hit in the head again off of a pin. <laughs> but of course, there could only be, when you think about it, Charles Robinson is the only one who could have refed this match. Yeah. And now we're back in the figure four. You know, I, I really am glad that they wear the black and white striped shirts. Never liked the, the brand shirts for the referees. Yeah. I think now they just have like a blue patch on over the um, stripes now. Whatever makes whatever makes them happy. The the, the single color ref shirts. It, it looks like somebody jumped in the ring. They, you can see it blends in with the background because they you know put those lights uh, on the crowd. Um, yeah, never liked them. I never liked in uh, you know in WCW. I mean, going back, they kept the you know the white button up shirt and the black bow tie look for the referees for a long time. Mm-hmm. That was like from the sixties. And he's really selling that figure four. Is like, I mean, Shawn Michaels sells better than Zig Ziglar. Shawn and I didn't say Dolph. I said Zig Ziglar. Shawn Michaels sells better than a uh, prostitute at a celibacy conference. Oh. <laughs> 
Shawn Michaels is a ring musician. He is Beethoven. He is my, he is uh, the Mozart of professional wrestling. Yes, that's why he has sweet chin music. Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine if he had just never tried, if he had never gone after his dreams? Have you read his book? No, I have, you know, I don't read books unless it's well, yours. Well, I, my, you know, Michael, oh, and there he hit him. The first he got him, he music. connected with the sh- sweet shit music. And by far, these are some of the most vicious kicks I've seen come out of Shawn Michaels in this match. Well, wouldn't you want to kick old Flair in the head just a few times? I mean, everybody's wanted to kick him in the head. But uh, Michael's, you know, his dad um, let him leave college because he's he did college for a year. Mm-hmm. He and he sold a uh, it was like a trailer that he had bought for Sean to live in, you know, near the university. He sold the trailer for about three grand and used the three grand to pay Jose Lothario to teach Sean to wrestle. And I think years later, Sean asked him, he's like, Dad, it was a crazy dream. You know, why did you invest in, you know help me make it a reality. And his dad said something like, I couldn't have imagined you, you know, 10 years later with three kids and just some job and just say, you know, dad, why didn't you let me try? Mm. That's, that's some good shit right there. You know, yeah. and I, I feel the same way if, you know, if my kids showed ambition, or uh, you know, interest in some whatever, I'm there like 100% and whatnot. <laughs> It's such a hard thing to – I mean, God, if my kid comes to me and says, I want to be a pro wrestler. I, first of all, first, not to cut you <laughs> off, first right. of all, I would have been like, you fucking right, so I can go watch free wrestling whenever I wanted to if they made it big. <laughs> I, I'd be kind of terrified if my kid told me that. I'd worry about not only his health, his safety, the stability. I know it's not like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll it was in Flair's day or even Michael's day. It's it's a lot different now, and I think low it's blow. a much low blow. Low blow. Hey, it wouldn't be a flare match without a low blow. And look at Michaels sell that like Flair just robbed the family jewels, which he kind of did. <laughs> oh yes, he did. He did. It's a good thing Michaels was finished procreating at that point, because I think the little heartbreakers just got a nice um, sweet heel music. <laughs> sweet sweet heel knew that was a heel. Yes, that was a heel move. Literally, wasn't it? Yes. You know, when they say when a performer has been in the business for a certain period of time, he really just can't be a heel anymore. They're going to love you regardless. Now, see, right now, they're both limping. They're both selling the leg. And this is Shawn Michaels' inverted figure four that he's just slapping on right now. I always love when Michaels pulls out the figure four. Mm-hmm. You know, he uses them. Um, maybe he didn't use them every match, but he would use them throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Another move, you know, he would pull out uh, a Crippler crossface a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. And occasionally he pulls out like this Indian deathlock kind of thing. And so does Triple H. You know, they do this just to remind you, I can do these other moves. I, I love it when performers do that. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, and he makes it to the ropes. You know, I wonder, oh, though. Oh, oh and what has he got? He pulls oh. the turnbuckle pad off the bottom. Robinson. Thumb oh, to the I'm, eye. Thumb to the eye. Yep. He's he's doing all his little tricks, all his tricks. See, and it, it is appropriate pacing as well. Um you know he's gonna have to get his stick in at some point, and now doing it now at this point in the match seems like he's actually being desperate. I love it. I love a desperate Ric Flair because you never know what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. And he just had a roll up with the pulling of the tights just then. You gotta hold the tights. By the way, Shawn Michaels had a large variety of you know wrestling tights and gear 
throughout his career. I, I kind of liked his look the best at this point with, you know, the chaps in the full pants over the boots. Mm-hmm. You go back to 96 and he, you know, oh, and there's another. How many Sweet Chin Musics does he land? Uh, three, I think. The, well, f- the first one that came out of nowhere, that one just then, and then he'll do what? I think one more after this. Yeah, Michaels had said, um, you know, truth be told, when it came to that kind of stuff, I'm a bit of a control freak. So he he really wanted to control the match. He thought about the match. He you know he had to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Wait a minute, is this our moment? Yeah. What's he thinking in his head now? He's thinking, okay, I see the way out, but wait a minute, do I really want to do this? The conflict. He's He's got the gun barrel. He's got the sights pointed at Old Yeller. And he knows he's going to finish Old Yeller. And then the Flair struggling gets his feet. He's like, come on, give it to me. I'm sorry. And there he says, I'm sorry. I, I love, love you. you. Wham! And he's on his back. And he's pinning him. He's, you know, hesitation. The one, the two, the three. And Ric Flair has been retired. And now Michaels is talking to him. What was he saying? I don't know. Well, and then the, and that was just classic, man. He said what he had to say to him, and he just immediately left the ring to let him have his moment. And in 2015, during an appearance on Steve Austin's Stone Cold podcast, Michaels revealed what those words were. He said, I told him that I loved him, and I can't say it without getting weepy half the time. You have to understand, the guy who was in the ring with him, I was in there in body, but inside, it was the 15-year-old kid who had watched him every Saturday. It was, thank you for giving me this honor, and I love you for it. He said all that in his ear? <laughs> well, he said, I think the last sentence. I know, I was sentence, just fucking with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the last sentence. Although, after a match like that, you know, here's the replay, you know, you can see the conflict in his face, and that, and then there's the does he, yeah, he connects mm-hmm. and pins him, and that's it for Flair. He has never wrestled again in the WWE. Yeah, so here, you know, we, we kind of just talk over everything here because you can see him, you know, crying tears, and you go see his wife and his kids and everything. You see a young Charlotte Flair. You can see his uh, son, I think, what, Reed or whatever his name was, David. Reed, Reed and David. David uh, became, you know, had a... When David was 19, he had that run in WCW with no training now, but mm-hmm. they stuck him in there. Oh, there she is. Mm-hmm. And there's Reed. And they, no training. They put Reed in there. Um, not Reed. I'm sorry. David in there and gave him the United States title. And he, he just kind of said, I don't know how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're Ric Flair's son. You'll figure it out. There's a good shot of Reed. Mm-hmm. No longer with us. And uh you know, at one point, have you seen the Ric Flair documentary uh, for ESPN? Uh, no, I haven't got around to that, man. I highly recommend it. It's a very honest look at everything, even up till, you know, modern day here. But the, the, it, why, it, you know, I kind of have to argue. I, I, I kind of believe this should have been the the go out. There's there's uh, there's David. Mm-hmm. David Flair got to date Stacy Keebler. Whoa. Let's just let's just let's let's Let that sink focus in. on that for a second. Look <laughs> at that guy. I mean, you know, state trooper, salt of the earth, great guy. You know, he's not a bad looking guy, but man, he must be able to sell. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, look who Papa is, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember at one point they did a, a wedding angle with David Flair and Stacy Keebler? Oh man, I do not remember that. That had to on, be- oh, on Nitro. Yeah, that was. You need to YouTube that today. It is towards the end of the time. You know, it's it's the Vince Russo era, so it's always got some nonsense, but it's it's some entertaining TV. Stacy comes out to marry David. They had her uh, her real life parents, from what I understand, like came to the segment. And Stacy and they they interrupt the wedding because Stacy says, "I'm pregnant, and you're not the father." And David turns and looks at Arn Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Arn Anderson just nails it. He says, don't look at me. <laughs> that was that. Arn's always so great for a laugh. Ar- Arn is so underrated. But here goes Flair walking that aisle after a match for the last time in WWE. And, and it really, he's not going to get another match. I mean, I know that he would do it tomorrow if they let him. Mm-hmm. Now... <laughs> You know, this this is pretty much over with. We can just kind of go into the afterthoughts and whatnot, because like I told you in the beginning, this shit pissing me off. Um, This is one of two matches that invoked uh, like a legit emotional response for me, like to where I got misty eyed and shit and damn near dropped tears or whatever. Oh, you big softy. The first one being this match. The second one would be the. um. WrestleMania match of recent time where the Undertaker went against Roman Reigns and he left all his gear in the ring. So okay. I'm gonna tell you, you know, knowing what I knew of Ric Flair at the time, you know, we we going back to what 2008 to when this was actually happening when you know th- that current time, and I was like, man, this is really it. This is a good match, you know, and. I felt for this dude because I was like, man, he had this great career and all this stuff that was going on. And this was a perfect send off or whatever. It was just like it it brought all that emotion to me. You know, the you know, sorry, I love you. You know, just the banter back and forth between the match. You can kind of see certain spots to where Sean had to kind of guide him and direct him and whatnot. And you can kind of tell to where like, all right, man, he ain't really got it no more, man. You know, and. You know, I was all sad and shit when he was crying and, you know, being with his family and whatnot, because I thought this was it for him. Right. And lo and behold, (laughs) this surprise, this (laughs) motherfucker would pop up in TNA and to go on and wrestle and do other shit for years after this. And it pissed me off so much because I gave all them tears and felt all that sadness and all that other bullshit because I thought he was done and that that was it for him. So, yeah, you... This night, you have the emotions, but the emotions just emotions really just intensified the next night on the March 31st, 2008 episode of Raw, Mm -hmm. where Flair delivered his farewell address. Mm -hmm. If you listeners, if you've never seen that, go find it. Um, Afterwards, Triple H brought out many current and retired stars to thank Flair. Mm -hmm. It included Shawn Michaels, some of the four horsemen. Harley Race, Chris Jericho, Vince McMahon, and even The Undertaker comes out. Mm-hmm. And The Undertaker doesn't do that. The Undertaker does not break kayfabe, mm-hmm. to, but, but he has to come out. And this was like such a rare moment because the heels and the faces were coming out into the ring together. It was almost like a, a curtain call, but nobody yeah. had any complaints about this curtain call. Yeah. And Flair made, um, you know, he, he made a post retirement appearance. It, June 16th, he didn't um, make a match or have a, a match 
but he, you know, made some appearances following year on February 9th. He confronted Jericho on Raw when Jericho was doing a an attack angle on Hall of Fame members. Mm-hmm, but um but Flair would sign with Ring of Honor and appeared at the Style and in Profile event uh, ex- one year to the month after this, March of 2009, mm-hmm. and, he, and he cleared the ring with a with a run in. So this you know this 60 year old man running in, clearing the ring, but he was a company's ambassador. You know he was an authority role. Yeah. After a let me see, did he wrestle after a number one contenders match ended at a time limit draw? Flair announced. You know, he he announced matches, four-way contest, but November 21st, 2009, he did the Hulkamania Let the Battle Begin tour of Australia, and he lost to Hulk Hogan in a series of matches. Um, You know, so he's wrestling not long after this, Mm -hmm. and then he would show up January 4th, 2010 in TNA. Man, I was so fucking pissed. Talk to me about your feelings there, b I was just mad as Walk hell, man. It's just like, all right, he showed up not too long after, you know, Hogan made his announcement that he was going to be doing some shit with TNA. And as soon as I seen that happen, I immediately thought about, thought about the end years of WCW. I was like, dog, they are about to kill TNA. And, and, and it was just, it looked like a, a freaking WCW reunion over there at the time because they had Hogan. Flair would show up. Bischoff showed up. Goddamn Bischoff brought his goddamn kid up there. And then they had um, other classic wrestlers. I'm not going to say old. Classic wrestlers that would show up there. And it was just like NWO reunion in the motherfucker. And it, it made me so damn mad. I was like, all these people should be done and retired. And, you know, I was just so fucking pissed, man. I, I There's no other wor- words to describe it. It was just like they gave you that perfect send off they was going to set you up you was going to be a made man for the for the most part from what what i understood and you just pissed it all away for this bullshit well let's let's talk realistically here um it's no secret and i don't think i'm speaking out of turn no. but flair needed some money yeah and he, uh, he he's actually been on interviews about his wrestlemania match that that payday for his retirement match was the biggest payday for a match he'd ever received, and he didn't get to see a dollar of it. It all went to the IRS because dude didn't pay his taxes, and I don't know much about the ambassador deal with WWE. I have heard a lot of stars kind of say, you know, we can make more independently. Yeah, but so Flair, I I I don't initially agree with you, B Rob. When he shows up in TNA, I think whatever, no big deal. He's probably going to be an on-screen character or authority figure. But on the March eighth episode of Impact, March eight, twenty ten, two years to the date or to the month rather, Hulk Hogan and Abyss defeat Flair and AJ Styles when mm-hmm. Abyss pins Styles. So he's got a match. He's wrestled mm-hmm. on a on a major television promotion, mm-hmm. no less. And afterwards, um, he would have several other matches. I, I, I don't have a whole list here, but I know that Flair wrestled Abyss mm-hmm. in TNA. And he also wrestled a match where his WWE Hall of Fame ring was at stake yeah. in TNA. And I Which, think even him and Mick Foley had, I think, a hardcore match there or something where they was punching the shit out of each other till they bled. Well, not each other themselves. 
Yeah, and I really think it was not a good move by TNA to acknowledge the Hall of Fame status of the WWE rings. Yeah, it's it's um, almost saying like we're kind of a second rate outfit here. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying, man. It was fucking WCW all over again. They even had a spot to where Hogan gifted uh, Abyss his ring and it supposedly gave Abyss more ring superpowers and shit or whatever. <laughs> And then Flair, we we remember in TNA that he would reform the Four Horsemen yeah. under the new name uh, Fortune. Fortune. Yeah. And that consisted of AJ, AJ Styles, Styles Kazarian, Kazarian, Bobby Roode, James Storm, and Desmond Wolfe. Wait a minute. One, two, no, three, four, five. That's five people plus yeah. Flair is six. Yeah, that's too many people. Okay, I don't under, I don't know. Flair made uh, – he wrestled uh, at Victory Road, losing to Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal. In, in 2011. And he had rematches with Lethal, a street fight match, mm, yep. and he they added more people to Fortune. How did this four man group grow to like seven or eight people? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I don't that, know. This shit was a madhouse, man. I was so mad about it. Yeah, they had in the Mick Foley match you were referring to. They had a last sta- man standing match. Mm-hmm. And if Gosh. you go back to the buildup for that whole thing or whatever they had a promo back and forth with each other and like i was saying they were punching themselves in the face until they bled so rick flair is notorious from bleeding from the top of the head so he was punching himself in the forehead he started bleeding mick foley punched himself in the face until he got like a mouse up under his eye and shit yes yes and flair um i I don't know if he did, did he leave he didn't leave on very good terms with tna did he there were in April of 2012, you know, he started in uh, we said it was 2010. And then by April of 2012, he tried to have his TNA contract terminated, led to TNA filing a lawsuit against WWE for contract tampering. Mm-hmm. And they eventually fired Flair on May 11th. Um, he Flair said in December 3rd of 2012, he will never wrestle again. Chiefly to, you know, heart attack suffered by Jerry Lawler mm-hmm. on a match. Kind of got him a little worried. Yeah. Because that, wasn't that the Ziggler match? Hit him with the elbows? Uh, well, it was uh, multiple. Ma- yeah, Ziggler did hit him with an elbow. Did they, didn't they? did they call Ziggler's elbow the heart stopper for yes. a little while after that? Uh-huh. He, was, that was that in bad taste? Nah. You know, they played uh, up with it. You know, Lawler was fine with it. <laughs> I remember, well, you, you know Lawler's gonna be fine with that yeah but, uh, I, I remember his uh freaking uh recovery photos or whatever they showed him in the hospital eating the steak after he was all done in there <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a steak i'm gonna have a good steak tonight tonight's date night with uh mrs sandlin well yeah i have a semi date night with mrs b rob well i would say date afternoon because i got invited right. to a surprise party of a person that i do not know so it's a surprise for the both of us. <laughs> it will be a surprise. He, he, I'm sure that, so you're like the celebrity guest at this party. That's awesome. I guess I should bring my recording over there and do a live <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Go for it. But you know, as, so as after Flair leaves TNA, he gets a 2012, um, you know, deal with WWE. He is the first person to be inducted into the WWE hall of fame Two twice. Times. The second time was as part of the four horsemen mm. in the class of 2012. Yeah. And we remember he appeared sporadically in 2013. He got to be the Miz's mentor and passed on the figure four to him, which nobody liked. I don't think anybody liked that. Well, now, um, 
currently since the you know the Miz has gone through a a big metamorphosis and whatnot. You know he's a star in his own right. Anytime he does break out that figure four now, I mean everybody's all for it. Maybe so, but nobody wanted him to pass it on to to the Miz. I'm pretty sure that more people thought Dolph Ziggler had a lot in common with the Flair heel character. Yeah. Um, Miz is like the Hollywood heel. Flair's like the dirty player heel. They're both they're both great performers, but where Flair really got his second, I mean, what what act? We call it a third act, maybe a fourth act at this mm-hmm. point, was making his appearances with Charlotte. Yeah. And in January of 2016, you know, Flair and Charlotte kind of become this heel team. Flair's getting involved in Charlotte's Diva Matches Championship Mm -hmm. and then later the Women's Championship. Mm -hmm. And May 23rd, 2016 of Raw, Charlotte kind of turns on her dad. Kicked him to the curb. Yeah. I guess they decided it was just time to, you know, let Charlotte stand on her own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of buildup behind it just to kind of. Because she was there for a while without him. Then he reinserted himself back in. I believe it's just kind of more of a mentorship role. Because, you know, when she first came there from the NXT, it was a lot of, uh, I guess, getting used to that level of uh, performance or whatnot. Because she was kind of NXT. She was good. You know, we've seen her built up to what she would become uh, NXT champion. And she was um pretty competent down there but when it came over to her being on the main roster you can see there was a couple hiccups in her you know her promo ability which is still something to be desired but is way better than what it used to be and then putting over the father I believe it gave her a little bit of confidence gave her a little bit of guidance if he wasn't so much doing so already and um, she has turned into one of the top performers in the women's division as of current and she has she say, has cemented her legacy. Yeah. She is the most decorated uh, women's wrestler of all time, a shoe in for the Hall of Fame whenever that time comes. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like the best is yet to come. Yeah, she has been involved in many of the WWE's first as it comes to women. And it looks like she's about to weasel away into the first ever WrestleMania main event for women. I, I hope that's not the case. I, I wish that either, Becky could make be. it the singles match, but that's a story for another time. You know, Ric Flair almost passed away in 2017. Yes. And he got to make a return uh, to congratulate Charlotte in November 14th of 2017 after she won the women's title from Natalia, which was in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was his first appearance since he had nearly died the year earlier. And Very serious, but he came walking the aisle again. You can't kill Ric Flair. And he had, <laughs> he had um when he made his recovery, he had a, a shirt made. He was like, and it said, "I'm still alive, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you'd have to hold him down, drag a stake through his heart. Because B. Rob, what I, I don't have any problem with Flair showing up and doing whatever he wants to do in yeah. wrestling again. And I'll tell you why. Because he is a consummate heel mm-hmm. and heels lie. Mm-hmm. You know, he and, he and Flair knows this. He knows I'm a heel. I can lose and come back the next day and say I didn't lose. Mm-hmm. And what you mentioned about tarnishing the legacy. Do you know when people first started saying that Ric Flair had tarnished his legacy? When was this? 1998. In 1998, wrestler and, you know, former WCW colleague uh, Steve Austin, Stone Cold, says that Flair had reached the time to hang it up. Mm -hmm. He had been great for a long time. Uh, Slam Sports in 1999 
had an article titled Ric Flair is tarnishing his legacy in 1999. Um, it, it, in 2006, you know, two years before this match, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated said Flair must have a personal vendetta against his legend. But <laughs> it, it, everybody that tells the man to quit. Um, you know, he just he proves him wrong. He comes back and maybe he you know, you can obviously have your own opinions yeah. about whether or not he you know represented himself well. But the accusations that he is just sullying his legends and continuing to wrestle, I, I got to say, like Flair's continues to prove people wrong. He just does not stay down. You can't keep a good man down. He's a legend. And I feel that he is the greatest of all time. If not, who is? Um, speaking of old motherfuckers that should have hung it up, uh, let's talk about The Undertaker. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you about that because you said that a match that made you feel emotional yeah. was when Undertaker lost to Roman Reigns and left his gear in the ring. Yeah, so... Can, can you elaborate on that? So, the, the... You know, I just told you everything about, you know, Ric Flair and everything. He, you know, it got me emotionally invested in that match because I really thought it was the end of the road for his in-ring wrestling career. You know, showing your face and uh, doing appearances and whatnot, you know, that's fine. But actually lacing up the boots and dragging your carcass around the ring or whatever, you know, I had <laughs> I had qualms with that. And here we are many moons later with The Undertaker, in, who, in my opinion, should have been retired at um, the WrestleMania with him and Triple H in the cage, Hell in the Cell, the okay. end of an era match. That was, it, yeah, yeah, it, that was yeah. The, the most perfect send off that you can ever have. You know, modern day at that time, and I thought that was done for him. But he came back, then he went into the shit with Brock Lesnar. He lost the undefeated streak at WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, which I thought, hey man, he's old as fuck. This should be it right here. But no, he pulled a Ric Flair, came back. I'm not done yet. Whatever. So um, the following year, he would go on to face with Bray Wyatt, I believe. At, yeah, Santa that's the year that makes me very angry yeah. um, because Sting, that was Sting's one WrestleMania. Yep. Sting is on your card. Yep. Undertaker is on your card. And Brock Lesnar, the motherfucker that beat you last year. No, no, no. Year. Forget, forget about everybody else. <laughs> Sting is on the card. Undertaker is on the card. And you don't put them together. I, I will never understand that. And I've never loved the product as much since that happened. And I, I hate to sound like I have sour grapes, but the Stinger is my original favorite. I started watching wrestling because of a commercial on TBS in the 90s where Sting does this ad for WCW Saturday nights, or maybe it was Nitro at the time. And he's doing the, you know, the flat top surfer blonde look green paint. And he says he does this promo about how his coworkers are 300 pound men who want to pound him into the ground. Just another day at the office. And it shows him in a business suit sitting at a desk with a face, uh, a nameplate that says Sting. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And that uh, and, uh, and then everybody wanted to see the Sting and Undertaker match. We need to talk about Sting and Taker more in long form another day. Yeah. But yes, um, go on, B-Rob. Sorry, so, so, I didn't mean to derail you. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, we talked about that WrestleMania and that was my first ever WrestleMania to be at in person. 
So, ah. so for me to see The Undertaker in person for the very first time at a WrestleMania, daytime as fuck. <laughs> Goddamn, whatever the clusterfuck of a match he had with Bray Wyatt. And then he would go on to 32 and face who then? I forget. Um, what was it? I'm trying to, I should have prepped this shit. But anyway, he would go on WrestleMania after WrestleMania. He would eventually be Brock again, but ultimately Brock holds the, you know, ultimate victory over him. Then we got fucking Roman Reigns here at WrestleMania, what, 33? And, you know, the match was what it was. He obviously showed that he still didn't have the in-ring prowess in him. You know, it's just like in, in, at this point as well, I think he had a bad hip, which he would go away after this match to go get his hip replaced and fixed and whatnot. But it was just I, the whole buildup of the thing. He lost. He was still in the ring. Roman then left. And um, he went, got his hat and his coat and his gloves. And I was well, right. he had his gloves on already. And I was like, wait a minute. He usually do the knee drop or whatever, or he just go walk to the ramp, throw the fist up. Lightning strike, you go the fuck away. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, him uh, standing there in the ring with his gear on, uh, placing the gloves and the coat and everything, folding it down in the ring, you know, I knew what that meant. Usually um, when a wrestler comes to the end of the road, they would leave their boots in the ring, you know, signifying that they're done, they're retiring, they're, you know, they're leaving. So Something that our younger viewers may not know about there. So him putting this, you know, the iconic hat, the gloves and the coat down like that. I was like, oh, shit. This is it. And, like, and the crowd got that, too, because yeah. the crowd was chanting, thank you, Taker. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm playing this all. All this is playing out in my head. What I just said out loud is what I'm thinking inside. I'm like, oh, shit, this is it. And me, not too long before this point, retiring from the military. So it was some kind of significance in between that. It's just like this dude for my wrestling life has always been a part of professional wrestling. As long as I've been watching professional wrestling. And so I've retired. He's retiring right here in front of my eyes. So to say, and yeah, it just, so you thought, so it, it hit me hard, man. I was like all fucking emotional and shit, man. I was like, he really doing it. This yeah. is really it. And I'm saying this out loud at this point now and my wife is sitting next to me 11 years of marriage we've had a, a child between the both of us and I was there for the birth of my um, my youngest child and my, even my other two children and I never shed a tear and to sit here in this moment while this shit was happening in front of me at Wrestlemania I started fucking crying not like boohoo but like a tear started streaming down my cheek and my wife was like you crying and then she looked at me she's like you are really fucking crying right now I was like it's the Undertaker man <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tell Mrs. B. Rob, I totally understand. And the thing was, after that happened, you know, we all know the meaning of leaving your boots in the ring or, you know, smart fans do. But it, there was never any kind of closure. There was no uh, like the, the major closure that Ric Flair got the next night on Raw. Mm -hmm. The Undertaker, if I always thought if Undertaker was leaving, he would get at least that. Mm hmm. But it was never really acknowledged because yeah. it's almost like, well, hang on. We don't really know yet what we're going to do. And yeah, he left. 
And what did he come back and do next? What was the next time that we saw him? Was it the next year's WrestleMania? Was it another appearance? WrestleMania 34. And that was uh, Cena? Cena, yes. I was there in attendance once again. Okay. So so we. What was that like? I was pissed again. (laughs) Because I I watched that WrestleMania. I didn't really. That that fight was almost a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Because Cena promoted the match mm -hmm. without The Undertaker. It was always Cena coming out, you know, calling out The Undertaker for WrestleMania. Very very reminiscent of um, the build between him and Bray Wyatt at that one WrestleMania. He was not there the whole time. They had a voice recording of him saying, rest in peace at WrestleMania or some bullshit or whatever. So it was very reminiscent of that they doing all the work and he just pop up do some shit and leave so if you want to hear my true reaction to the whole thing you can go to my youtube page and i have a video of me (laughs) in fucking the the fucking superdome with my you know cussing the undertaker like no don't come out you know it's on youtube (laughs) well it was almost like he he just kind of squashed cena right yeah and uh yeah cena would kind of playfully write it off when he came back more re- recently or whatever he's like yeah last time you see me i was here i was in new orleans um i didn't have a match um i probably shouldn't have had those beers before i got in the ring with the undertaker because it didn't turn out too well for me <laughs> oh well well i make sure you put the link to that in the uh, links for this episode then i'll make sure i see that i haven't watched you your reaction to that yet yeah but um all in all i didn't want this shit to happen because i was just like because he went away after the Roman beat him. He got his hip replaced. There was rumors and rumblings of him being better and uh, feeling better after that shit. And then um, he started doing fucking appearances, dog. Like showing up at the Cavs game with uh, freaking Kevin Love and fucking goddamn LeBron James um, doing signings and stuff, which is very uncharacteristic for The Undertaker. And I was like, yeah, man, this has got to be the end. He's doing appearances. Matter of fact, he's going to be out here somewhere. $150 a pop for autographs and shit. And I'm like, this is something he don't do. So he must be getting ready to hang it up here pretty soon. But lo and behold, this motherfucker come back once again in motherfucking New Orleans. And then this motherfucker will come back once again for the shows that will not be named. <laughs> and it just pissed me off to no fucking extent because, you know, I'll go back and say, you know, if you're providing for your family, you feel like you still got it in you. You're being, you, you're being loyal to a company that's put bread on your table for years or whatever. I get it. I get it. You do you, boo-boo. But I don't have to fucking like it. God damn it. <laughs> well, I don't think there's any ambiguity in B-Rob's feelings at this point. As for me, The Undertaker is an unparalleled enigma of wrestling, and he does what he wants to do. Yeah. when he wants to do it yeah and if you don't like it i don't think he really cares exactly i mean my, I'm, I'm it's just an opinion of a ranting man or whatever I mean. oh boy well hey thank you ranting man for discussing this uh watch through of a very classic match with me and i can't wait till we pick our next one mm-hmm. you know that we did the poll for this mm-hmm. uh a few weeks ago good results i liked it I, I, there was one match that we had on the poll that I think we should throw out there again sometime, but that was Eddie and Ray at Halloween Havoc yeah. 97 WCW. I think it's one of the best matches in the history of the business and deserves a look back. Well, I tell so, you what, uh, we won't even do a poll this time. We'll just do that one next time. Well, we can do still do a poll. We might think of some other ones in the coming days. Well, we'll, 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 we'll talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk. we'll do that one next watch along and we'll do a poll for the following. 
Well, all right. All right. That sounds fair enough. Mm hmm. I hope you enjoy your uh, surprise party tonight. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. going to go and uh, get ready for my uh, my date night. I got to clean up a little bit. All right. So with that being said, on half, on half, on behalf of myself and the Wit Talk historian, Jay Sandlin, we bid you a fond adieu. And we'll see you next time. Adieu. I do. I do. I do. I do. Goodbye.